This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ek, and my co-host for the Doctor in the House segment this Friday. A, a gloomy, Friday. Yes, a gloomy Friday afternoon. Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. How are you doing, George? I am, I'm, well, uh, it's a gloomy subject we're going to talk about as well. It is. It is. Very timely and it sparked so much, um, I guess, uh, alarm, mm-hmm. concern. Uh, of course, uh, you know, nobody will kind of forget the impact impact of uh, nuclear accidents. Uh, so just for context, what we're talking about today is, um, you know, about the release of the wastewater from the um, damaged Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. So mm-hmm. take us back to 2011, right, when a major earthquake off the coast of Japan triggered a tsunami, yeah. which flooded the reactors at this power plant, and it caused a major nuclear disaster. And so since then, there have been efforts to decontaminate the area and cool down these highly radioactive reactors. Mm-hmm. And so it's produced the wastewater that has to be stored in tanks in the plant. And um, so we're talking about one th- more than 1,000 steel tanks on site, mm-hmm. which uh, hold about 1.3 million tons of wastewater that's enough to fill 500 olympic swimming pools wow. by the way yeah 500 olympic swimming pools yeah, yeah so can you imagine though um japan is obviously running out of space in yeah. terms of the number of tanks uh, to, to to store that water and so they have begun the process of releasing that wastewater into the pacific ocean and that began yesterday uh, yes. actually that um generated a, a lot of sparks of you know protest and, and in South, exactly. um, South Korea. International protests, international right. concern. Um, you know, we'll be talking about how some uh, neighbouring countries of Japan have reacted as mm. well. How locals, especially those impacted by fishing, for instance, yes. uh, have been reacting. And how are you going to feel about eating fish that is shipped in from Japan? Yeah, so we have an expert on the show today to help us put things into context to understand why the International Atomic Energy Agency has said that Japan's plan is safe. Mm. What exactly does safe mean? What is the safe level of these uh, radioactive isotopes uh, Mm -hmm. that would uh, be contained in the wastewater? Uh, And our expert guest is Emeritus Professor Dr. Ng Kwan Hong, a medical physicist from the Department of Biomedical Imaging at University of Malaya. He serves the International Atomic Energy Agency as an expert and consultant. He's also a fellow of the Academy of Sciences Malaysia. Prof, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. How are you? Thank you, sir. I'm fine. And also nice to meet you, with you Dr. Josh Lee. <laughs> right, Prof, good to see you again. Yes, and uh, call us if you have any questions or concerns uh, from what you've been reading on the news as well. The number to call is 03-777-32900. You can also WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Prof, can you provide some background? I uh, mentioned the statistics of the, the huge amount of wastewater that's, that has been stored. Um, you know, what exactly, where has this wastewater come from and uh, why is it radioactive? Okay. Uh, when the tsunami earthquake struck, the first reactor they call Dainichi, uh, nuclear power plant was damaged. And it is this, the core, which actually 
as the nuclear chain reaction taking place couldn't be controlled. So temperature kept rising. So they need to point lots of water, seawater and fresh water as well to keep constantly to cool it down. And in the process, is contaminated by the byproducts of this chain reaction process. So we have lots of radioactive materials. We call radiosotopes, some almost 60 over uh, all are being accumulated in the water. Mm. And then uh, this is constantly uh, non-stop over last 12 years or so. So the community, as you say, almost 500 Olympic-sized swimming pools. Yeah. There's no space for the storage tanks. Mm. So they have to discharge somewhere. Uh, mm. So they, of course, you can't just discharge this water which is contaminated with radioisotope. So what have the Japanese and the TEPCO uh, with the advice from the IAEA devices method uh, they call it advanced liquid processing system that helps to filter all the radioisotopes except one which is called tritium. Right? Uh, and then now, a bit more about the tritium. Uh, it is a hydrogen. As you know, water is H2O, right? Mm -hmm. And there's an isotope of this hydrogen, tritium. Right? So instead of H2O, you use T2O. Uh, this tritium, or we call it treated water, is found in nature, in our drinking water, in the rainwater, uh, sea, lake. We always some small amount present, right? Uh, so what uh, this filter system helps have done is remove all of them except this tritium oh. and they further dilute it and to uh, filter until the level uh, is well below what the WHO has recommended for safe drinking mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, about seven times lower than the safe limit so that they can uh, safely discharge into the ocean uh, so that was the, the background leading to that Mm -hmm. Prof, did I hear correctly for the last 12 years, the whole cooling process is keep going on by extracting water from the sea and then keeps cooling this core? Yes, that's right. And this cooling process will continue uh, for a long, long time. How and long are we talking about? Many, uh, many years uh, and, uh, later, we're generations? still generations. Yeah, that's right. And that... Uh, they're still looking for a technical solution to that. Now, beside this deliberate cooling, they also have underground water, leakage water that came in as well. So right. that uh, added further complication to the matter. Okay. Prof, so, uh, if, what will be the consequence of not doing the cooling? Oh, uh, it is a meltdown. It's getting hotter and hotter. It will just explode. It will be uh, that nuclear reactor, the so-called nuclear power, it's like a mini uh, nuclear bomb, right? So it will uh, have this chain reaction taking place that's right. getting superheated and it will explode if it's just like a bomb. So we need to do that. Now, in the normal nuclear reactor that produces power, right? The nuclear power. Mm -hmm. So it is controlled. Uh, they have these control rods surrounding it so that it can moderate the temperature. It generates heat, produce steam, and then run the turbine, produce electricity. However, in this damaged reactor, all those control rods were damaged or, or missing. So that's why I need to just keep on 
pouring water to cool it down. Mm. Uh, you mentioned uh, tritium already, but you also said there are over 60 radioactive materials um, that uh, before the filtration process would uh, be of harm, would cause harm. So um, can you walk us through what are some of these radioactive materials and what are, how, how could they um, harm human health? Yeah. Some of these like uh, carbon-14, cesium-137, uh, now, cesium is very common. A lot of, uh, for example, when the first accident happened in March 13, they released a lot of cesium, uh, which is radioactive, into the atmosphere, into the soil. So Japan had been cleaning, removing the topsoil from lots of areas surrounding the nuclear power plant. And we also have uh, strontium-90 and many others. Now, some of this, if it's ingested or inhaled by the human body, it, it will accumulate in the body. And the long term, well, they will uh, affect or so called damage the DNA of uh, leading to uh, is carcinogenic long term. Right? So that is the problem with many of those radioisotopes. Thus, they divide this matter to filter to remove those. So what is happening, discharged into the ocean, is called treated water have been treated. So it have measured to the safety standard right, below what is recommended by the WHO as a, a safe drinking water level. Mm. But with the sheer amount that will be released over the next um, few decades, um, will that then accumulate in, uh, in towards human consumption? All right. Now, uh, the radioisotopes, they have a property called the half-life. For example, we start off, let's say the tritium, the tritium treated water, start with 100 units. And then over the half-life is 12 years. After 12 years, it will become 50. So the radioactivity will decrease over time. Mm. So another 12 years will be to 25 and then half and half. right? So that is the good news for us. Whereas like those uh, cesium strontium, this half-life with thousands of years, so it would be quite uh, troublesome. Yeah. Right? Uh, and also, um, besides this decay to less radioactive, uh, and research so far have done, we have a lot of experience with treated water uh, that it doesn't accumulate in the living organism, like mm. the, the fish or the marine life or human. Uh, we sort of have a biological way to be discharged or excreted from the human or the animal. Mm. Prof, is there any way to get rid of tritium and actually make it fully treated and then um, so that it's absolutely no radioactivity at all? Now, so far, there is no uh, scientifically and technological uh, effective method to do so. They could do it probably a small amount, uh, extremely high cost. And by the way, uh, in a natural uh, water, sea, rain, even a drinking, contains a very small amount of tritium as well. Mm. So uh, there's one way we can be assured that uh, uh, there's no long-term uh, health effects because we are naturally exposed to some low levels of tritium on a daily yes. basis. 
That's right. Oh, not only tritium. No, uh, we need to understand that uh, we live in the so-called radioactive world from the ultraviolet from the sun. Uh, even, for example, we drink milk uh, and milk comes from cow. The cow eats the grass. Right? It absorbs neutrons which are naturally radioactive like phosphorus 32, uh, potassium 40, mm. and many of these essential elements uh, or the plants will absorb. So milk or vegetable, even meat, will contain various concentration of radioactivity. All right. So, so that's, yeah. because, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a mindset shift, that. right? Yeah, that's a mindset oh. shift because we always think of radioactivity as causing mutations mm-hmm. and uh, being harmful, but actually um, there's a lot of it that's naturally present uh, and are part of uh, important elements in our, in our environment. Uh, let's go for a quick break and we'll continue this conversation when we come back um, to answer George's question. How safe is it to eat? Um, seafood products mm-hmm. from Japan because um, Japan's neighboring countries are concerned enough uh, to take some action on, uh, you know, sort of instituting restrictions. So we'll find out more from Emeritus Professor Dr. Ng Kwan Hong, medical physicist from the Department of Biomedical Imaging at University of Malaya, and uh, my co-host in the studio with me, Dr. George Lee. We're discussing the impact of Japan releasing wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear power plant. Stay tuned to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik, and my co-host, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. And speaking of failures, we're looking at the impact of a major failure. Um, well, that part natural disaster and probably part uh, human failure. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when the tsunami happened in Japan 12 years ago, damaging the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. Uh, and since then, um, the, uh, the administration uh, and the authorities in Japan have been trying to cool down the damaged reactors by constantly um, pouring... Um, sea and fresh water into the reactors. Uh, but this water now, this contaminated wastewater now has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, Japan has uh, just yesterday begun releasing it into the Pacific Ocean after um, putting the water through a sort of filtration process called the Advanced Liquid Processing System to remove... Um, almost all the radioactive materials in the water uh, uh, and uh, reducing the level of uh, what's remaining called tritium to a very, very low level. But um, Prof, I think talk to us about sort of how this is being accepted internationally and how, you know, this this should be navigated because some of Japan's neighbouring countries are probably not fully convinced. Um, South Korea until recently opposed the move. Um, China has imposed seafood imports from uh, all of Japan. Uh, And here in Malaysia, the Ministry of Health has said they will be on alert with inspections on high-risk food products imported from Japan. So, Prof, um, for consumers, how concerned should we be about consuming seafood from Japan? Uh, So, there is the perception issue here. Uh, this is a very complex issue. Uh, it's multidimensional. Uh, it arises that from the lack of public trust in how the authorities 
in Japan to tackle handle this issue. Whenever uh, we don't have sufficient information, reliable, accurate, we tend to have fear with us. We, we worry and we suspect uh, something is not right. And this is what happened in most countries, including Malaysia. People are worried. Other uh, food imported from Japan safe to consume. Though there's reassurance, but uh, they want evidence, they want support. And that is a very important, uh, which uh, some of us, including me, have advised the authorities to have real-time accurate information, mm. much like uh, information like on weather, for example. Uh, we know about the temperature, humidity, uh, the wind, the wave, and so on. Right? So uh, the Japanese should have that. I think they started just recently with IAEA as well to have this real-time information. So we'll know the radiation level at the, the sea, the, the food, right? for example, the fish, uh, the fruits as well, uh, to elevate fear of the public. A bit and, like during the COVID time when the um, DG has to go on a daily basis, kind of real-time assurance that what happened to the number. Is that what you mean? Yes, that is right. We want information 24-7. And that is... Uh, can be easily done right, with uh, internet technology. Uh, somehow, uh, it wasn't done or might be quite obscure. Over a long time, you, know, you have this something called trust deficit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just uh, don't trust the authority. And also, they don't trust science. And that is another problem. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want science you know, to be objective, to provide information. So that is what the international community of scientists uh, should do. Let's hypothetically say that they are absolutely um, truthful and that is the level that is being released to the sea. First of all, is there any risk at all for the fish to be contaminated as well? And also, what are the risks of these being affecting neighbouring country shores? Um. The risk, people always think of risk in the form of uh, absolute safety, right? 100% no side effects. Right? And that uh, science can't guarantee. Right? In our everyday life, uh, there's always small amount of risk. Right? Uh, when we drive a car, even when, when you sit there in the studio, you always... So that is, uh, we need to explain that in the proper perspective. Uh, Japanese government have done, they have taken samples of fish to analyze it for various radioactivity in addition to various chemicals. They do have reports. Uh, It'd be good that they make this uh, available uh, readily and Mm. so that people can trust it. how do you also show effects over time, just in case, you know, there could be uh, longer term effects? No, the in the community called radiation protection, which is I'm also work with that no? radiation safety. The lots of over the years uh, experiments look at the long term effect. We call it stochastic effect. Uh, exposure to a small amount of radiation uh, from externally or internally, what we ingest or inhale uh, to different level of radioactivity. And so far, for for example, we talk about tritium at this level, right? 
which really have no known uh, long-term effect. Mm. However, having said that, uh, scientists should really uh, step up the effort to do more research, to look at it in details and do some computer simulation uh, to find out more. So, um, Prof, would you be able to answer um, a consumer's question? Is it safe for me to eat seafood from Japan? Well, the answer is yes, if it complies with that. For example, uh, in the food, we have the FAO and various uh, food and agriculture regulation on different types of so-called contaminants right, or different concentration. If it's below that level as recommended by this authority, it is safe to eat. Right? We shouldn't worry about that. And, and by the way, even for example, right, uh, the rice we eat, the ordinary, right? Uh, there are a lot of studies. Right? As I mentioned, naturally, we have radioactivity. So even the rice we eat, the fruit also has certain amount of radioactivity in it. So we so don't really... Buy- we don't really need to buy a Geiger counter and start kind of like measuring the radiation from the fish before you, you put it in your mouth. Uh, no, not necessary. Because, for example, in Japan, when they export fish or fruits, they also have, that, as you say, Geiger counter to measure its radioactivity. Mm. is below safe limit they export. And even the Malaysian government, the Ministry of Health and others, they have started to monitor, right? However, food stuff they import from Japan, they also uh, do measurement, so we can be rest assured it be pretty safe for us to consume. Okay. What do you? Th- what else do you think the Malaysian authorities need to do to maintain proper vigilance, especially considering the release of the wastewater will be going on for uh, what 20, uh, 30, 40 years at least, right? Yeah, it is a, a long term monitoring process, right? and not only Malaysian government. I would request international collaboration, uh, countries in Asia, but also others, because the water being discharged the Pacific eventually uh, will reach other parts. Right? Uh, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Right? It's a big continuous body of water to Atlantic and all. So we need countries monitor, uh, and that requires international collaboration and also to be inclusive is important. And a very important concept I have to mention is called intergenerational justice. Uh, some of us may have heard of it. Whatever action we do, we shouldn't think of ourselves right, to uh, benefit our generation. We think of a future generation. Uh, so would it be affected? Similar concept with climate change as well. So uh, it is important for policymakers, uh, the government to consider this intergenerational justice, mm. so that we want to make sure, right, uh, we protect the environment, the earth, for us, our future generations. Mm. On that well. note, on that note, you're talking about international collaboration. Is there an alternative to protect that intergenerational safety? So you mean alternative to, to releasing, to releasing, into, yeah. yeah. Is there alternative at all? I mean, is it just because of cost? It's cheaper just to put it into the water? Or is there any other way that we can make this water um, not going to the sea? There are. There have been uh, deliberation 
the Japanese authorities, even IEA, have discussed at length over those years. One reason delay until now, they are trying to find a, a better solution. Uh, for example, some country proposed evaporation, right? Uh, but that also isn't a good solution. Once you evaporate, right, it will, for example, you come back to rain, uh, and also you can't draw the whole world or one thing in the air uh, to the crowd. Okay? So they are one, and then their solution like uh, solidify it, put into uh, cement and solidify and bury underground. Uh, all kinds of solutions, uh, just like the nuclear waste. Uh, we have it stuck for many years and solid waste. Like America, the nuclear power plant, the solid radioactive way, they want to bury deep into the Yucca mountain. Or Simon say that, oh, let's send the rocket to dump it in the Mars. So all kinds of solutions. But uh, of all, so far, our present technology and perhaps economic factor tends to favor uh, discharges treated water to the ocean. Mm. Uh, can I ask you what are the problems with the the proposed idea of burying it underground? Uh, it is a technology and the cost. Uh, it is it's simple concept to say that, but actually doing it might be um, technological uh, prohibitive. So they have considered various options, uh, technical uh, and economic and also the long-term effect as well. But Another one I would um, mention is it'd be good we are looking for a large-scale computer modeling, for example, and discharge to the ocean, how the current flows and how it affects the marine life. And this is where the marine biologists, uh, the environmentalists who come in uh, to solve this problem, to enlighten us. Mm. Um how important is it for Japan and um, you know international stakeholders to continue um, exploring the alternative methods and um, all possible methods of monitoring, even if we do consider the release of treated wastewater to be fairly safe? How important is it to still try and find all the other alternatives? Oh, it is very important. Uh, we have been many of us are concerned scientists. Uh, have been clamoring for international dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, people meet together, uh, all the very stakeholders, uh, not only authorities, regulators, uh, policymakers, but scientists, uh, fishermen, right? uh, agriculturists, uh, NGOs, all should come together uh, to have a, mm -hmm. a dialogue, uh, looking for a win-win-win situation. And this is something uh, not happening and I hope that more people will promote that. Eventually, we can have that platform. Uh, eventually, it is to solve a problem, mm -hmm. looking for the, the common good of humanity, yeah. uh, rather than because it's not a problem of Japan. Right? It is an international it, problem. Absolutely. It affect us. Any, any nuclear disaster is, really. Um, Prof, we have a couple of questions on WhatsApp. Theo is asking, other than Japan, are there other countries that uh, are similarly discharging um, wastewater to the oceans? Oh, yes. Now, the normal operation of a nuclear reactor right, uh, in the core right, uh, is all surrounded by, say, metal, but you still need to cool down, right? and this is water, uh, but also there will be discharge in the ocean. Uh, 
However, they they also comply with the safety limit. So, uh, so is this is done a, as part of SOP for other uh, nuclear reactors. Oh yes, yes. For for example, those countries like in France or, or China or even Russia, it is a an operational uh, procedure. Right? So, uh, you need to cool it, and eventually have to discharge somewhere. So what's the difference between this discharge and the rest of the SOP? This is a, a different situation. This is uh, accumulated a huge amount of volume. We, we could never imagine the amount. Uh, uh, and also, uh, this is an unusual situation. It's not the normal so-called SOP where they periodically they cool down, they, they release the, the water. Uh, but essentially, it's very much the same. Just the, uh, what the volume. People perceive that you see what happened is a lot of media exaggeration to amplify the negative perception of, of this uh, treated water. Mm. We have another question. Since um, tritium level measurements are difficult by current standards of science, uh, wouldn't it be more prudent to avoid? seafood from Japan until more information could emerge through international collaborative inquiry involving AI technology? Oh, okay. But, um, the IEA has sent a team, they have a study, they are really top experts in the world, right? experience, uh, have the comprehensive report. Uh, we bear in mind the urgency of this, like they have 100 over storage tanks, there's really no more space. And that is an earthquake-prone region. Should another earthquake strike, then it will, water will leak out, it will be much worse. So that the decision to make is to treat it, not go through this ALPS, the, the system, to filter it, uh, so that it will be safe, so-called, uh, to discharge the ocean, uh, gradual process. Uh, we never know, perhaps uh, halfway down the road, there might be a, a better method or might be a much more efficient filtering system uh, that would be good. Uh, meanwhile, you know, consider different aspects. That was sort of uh, one of the best solution right, of all the solutions they had ever discussed. All right. Yeah. Prof, I've got one last question I would like to ask you. I think uh, early on, I actually was shocked to hear that for the last 12 years, this has been going on. And we didn't quite get an answer about how much longer this is going to go on for because the water, the contaminated water will just continuously being uh, dumped into the water. Will this be going on 100 years from now? Uh, theoretically, yes. Until we find a solution now, what this beginning of the process called decontamination, right? they have find some way to remove the nuclear fuel, which is uh, the uranium there, to keep on having this chain reaction, to keep on generating the heat. So meanwhile, it's a cool down so that it won't explode. Right? As you point out rightly, it's a continuous process. Right? Even though we discharge, and every day we have the pumping water as well, so we discharge, we add water. So this is uh, an interesting does, scenario. Would it, yeah. would it be um, cumulative? Because if we keep doing this for hundreds of years, mm. will this all radioactivity, even in small amount, eventually be cumulative to contaminate the rest of the world? Uh, not really. As I mentioned, this treated water, right, so far, uh, evidence, right, even they have done measurement, I've seen some of the reading, they're just 
tritium and is well below that uh, safety limit, right? So we can show of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example I'll give you is Chernobyl, right? What happened, right? What they they entomb it, right? Uh, it's a different scenario in Chernobyl in, in Russia or the Ukraine. So they entomb it basically reinforced concrete, just bury the whole thing to seal it. Right? Mm-hmm. But inside there, it is still radioactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is the a different scenario, but uh, that is the danger of using nuclear power. Right, uh, mm-hmm. it's useful, uh, cheap energy, but if it goes wrong, it can go wrong quite very, badly. very catastrophically. Yeah. I think the the problem is you can't put the genie back in the in the <laughs> bottle, right? right. Yes. Uh, and we have to deal with it the best we can. A final message for our listeners, Prof, uh, about how to take this news, how to move forward with it. Yeah, safe or not safe? Uh, I would really uh, request and recommend that we should build up a a community where we can be more collaborative and inclusive, having this international dialogue. And most importantly, uh, all of us should understand the basic about radiation, radioactivity, so that we will alleviate fear because you look at the psychology of fear, fear will lead to uh, the anxiety and we see protest and eventually be violence. Right? Mm-hmm. This is the, we have seen it many times, situation like this. So it's good to stop at the level of fear and try not to be irrational about it. So mm-hmm. uh, having proper understanding and also I hope that the in IAEA and the Japanese authorities will make available uh, transparently mm-hmm. the information to the whole world so we know, oh, this is the radioactive level in the ocean today, uh, This how much is it in the fish or in the prawn. So that will help a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Shelly always asks me to last questions to make a comment. And today, I'm going to make uh, to one comment, ask her a question. You know, at the end of the day, I think what you highlighted is, number one, how vulnerable uh, what we do to the environment and also how the environment can affect everybody. So uh, with all what you, thank you very much for all the information you've given us. I'm going to ask Shelly one question. Three months from today, will you take your son to a Japanese restaurant to eat sushi? If I have faith in the systems, yes, I will. Okay. Um, because it's been put into context, right? Into perspective, what we are actually exposed to uh, naturally, um, how low this would be uh, mm. in contrast to that. Um, I, I, I will admit, it's not an easy question to answer. You have to have faith in the systems, mm-hmm. right? That have to be there to protect you. Um, my son does love his uh, sushi a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a tough one to convince him <laughs> otherwise. Well, but we, we also are surrounded by so many other clearer and more present dangers mm-hmm. that we willfully mm-hmm. ignore. Yeah. You know, um, the way people drive, many people still smoke. Um it's it, risk is very relative. Yeah. yeah, Prof, I think you've done a good job. I think eventually, <laughs> you know, you uh, assured us that at the end of the day, the system is always there to help us to, uh, you know, protect the 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 masses. And as long as Shao It will bring the sun and invite me along, 
I'll come along and eat the sushi. <laughs> Absolutely. And you too, Prof. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Prof, for sharing your thoughts with us today. Emeritus Professor Dr. Ng Kwan Hong, medical physicist at the Department of Biomedical Imaging, University of Malaya, and my co-host, Dr. George Lee. This has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.